for the better part of the last 55 years, my life has been surrounded with every possible, imaginable, supernatural occurrence. Psychic phenomena, monster sightings, UFO sightings, ghostly encounters, and more. Am I lucky? Or have I just been in the right place at the wrong time? I ask this question to myself quite often. Because how does one person have so many encounters while others have none? I don't know that I have one answer for that. But tonight, the floor is open. You can join me on the program tonight by posting your questions in the chat room. For those of you that are following along on YouTube, there is a link you can actually click to join the program tonight if you'd like to show up, share a story, or have a query or question for me. If you're on social media and you have the description for tonight's program, there should be that link as well to join me on StreamYard. Feel free to do so. And tonight, you can ask me anything. No holds barred. Paranormal TV programming, paranormal podcasting, ghosts, UFOs, aliens, cryptids, monsters, myths, legends, and more. When we return to the very best in paranormal programming. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps... Baloney, perhaps not. Hello, my little darklings, and thank you for joining me here tonight. I hope that your holiday weekend was festive and fun and safe. Mine was, uh, with the one exception that my daughter Ripley contracted COVID. So she is quarantined to her room. Hopefully, all the rest of us that were around her for the last few days did not pick up on this, but I wanted to... Uh, make a quick mention. So for those of you that are out there that are healers, energy workers, prayer workers, light workers, just send a little extra love to my daughter, Ripley Schrader, as she battles this. It's a little touch and go because she is a uh, diabetic, um, type one diabetic, which makes her a little bit more vulnerable to side effects of this nefarious little virus zipping around. So please keep her in your thoughts and prayers, good energy in all requested. So thank you very much for doing that. Tonight, we're going to have an interesting night, just you and me, as we have this conversation about the supernatural and the paranormal, the things that drive our interests. Questions are open. Feel free to join in on the chat. I'll be popping up questions as they go. I've engaged the super chat, super stickers, and all of the little accoutrement from YouTube. So for those of you that know how to utilize that, feel free to do so by using the super chat features, it does go a long way in helping to support this program. Something I'm trying out, uh, other programs have worked on and told me that it is, uh, it's a nice little way to supplement and help keep the show moving, keep me with the ability to continue to upgrade and uh, get better equipment, better programming, and pay for the, uh, the time and effort that goes into doing programs like this. So should you feel the desire and want to help, you certainly can do that by joining me over on the YouTube channel and asking your questions, making your comments, and being part of the Super Chat. We will pop those up 
as we go along this evening as well. As I mentioned at the start of the show on tonight's program guide, for those of you watching and listening live, there is a link you can click and join me here in StreamYard to discuss your thoughts, questions, ideas, or share your stories in the supernatural. I think one of the most basic questions everybody has for me is why why me? Why does Dave Schrader get to have all of these exciting and very bizarre moments? And I wish I had one defining answer. You know, I wish I could say I was struck by a bolt of lightning and woke up and could see and speak to the dead. Unfortunately, that never happened that I'm aware of. Now, I did have a few near-death experiences, but not in the classic way that a lot of people talk about, right? Uh, And thank you so much for uh, the super stickers I'm already seeing pop up. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing that and supporting me and supporting the show. Now, when we talk about near death, usually the first concept and thought is you die, you go to avoid, you have a heavenly or ghostly experience, and then come back from that with these memories. I had a near death experience when I was younger. I've had knee surgery multiple times because my knees apparently are made out of, uh, matchsticks. I've dislocated my knees in every major known sport to man. It's crazy. So uh, I was in for surgery and uh, this is what I recall. They brought me in. It's a basic routine surgery. It's going to go well. Everybody's uh, all pumped and ready for this very basic, even back in the eighties when this was taking place, uh, laparoscopic surgery to go into my knee. I remember the doctor saying, this is going to be easy. This will be simple. We'll see in a little bit. And then counting backwards from 10, nine. And I was out like a light. And then I was awoken, kind of being shaken, if you will, by the doctor and nurses. Dave, Dave, are you with us? Dave, are you with us? And I'm like, yeah, what, what? You know, I was, I remember this vaguely. My mom shared more of the story with me because she was there watching as this uh, unveiled. Then they began asking me about, do you have a heart issue? I said, yeah, I do. And they said, why didn't you tell us that? And uh, I said, tell you what, that you had a heart issue. I'm like, oh, I do? (laughs) I was a little confuzzled. Um, Turns out that I had something called WPW, Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. It's uh, where your heart speeds up for absolutely no reason. I could go jog a mile and course, my heart rate will go up and come back down naturally, or I could just be sitting here talking to you and suddenly you'd see my shirt start to flutter as my heart would just begin pounding and racing on its own. And sometimes it would last 30 seconds. Sometimes it would last 10, 15 minutes. Uh, basically the, the concept of it is that the electrical impulses enter your heart. There's a built-in little monitor in your heart, uh, a natural heart check, if you will, that the Impulse comes in and says, let's go 400 beats a minute. And it goes, no, we don't do that. Let's stick to 60. 60 is a much better beat per minute. Well, it found a way to circumvent that little, I guess, fail safe in your heart. And it would just kick into that. They told me I wouldn't need surgery on it until I was much older after they uncovered this problem. But what they had done was over anesthetized me and that caused an issue and they lost me. They lost me for two minutes. nothing happened. Nothing that I can recall. As a matter of fact, I thought they were joking me about it afterwards. They didn't have to paddle me or bring me back. I just came back on my own, but I have no memory of 
friends or family. I have no memory of a white light or Jesus Christ. And I guess that always kind of stuck with me because as I've mentioned in the past, I've had this lifelong fear of death. Since I was a very small child, I would be terrified to go to sleep for fear that I might not wake up. And it wasn't just that I was going to miss something like a lot of children. They don't want to go to bed because they want to see TV. They want to hear what's going on with their siblings or parents. I was just afraid I would not wake up again. And I knew that it meant the end of life. And it, it was, it was very disturbing to me to have that kind of um, sense, even at a very early age. And then to have this near death experience where nothing happened really ingrained itself in on me and, and terrified me. I guess that's part of why I started the journey into the paranormal as deeply as I did. Obviously, I had an interest growing up, and I loved horror movies and ghost stories and would love when my mom would tell me creepy stories from her childhood, and she would tell me about strange occurrences and things that happened to her. Then she started telling me about when I was a little boy and the strange things I would relate to her as well. So, my whole life was just surrounded with the supernatural. Come to find out many years later, as in two years ago, when I found my biological father, thanks to Ancestry.com, and my little sisters who had bought my biological father an Ancestry.com kit, uh, located, found him, and uh, within a few days of us connecting, we actually got a chance to speak on the phone, and he said, well, son, I looked over your social media pages, and it's no surprise to me that you're into the paranormal, because that runs long and deep in our family lineage. As a matter of fact, your great-great-grandmother is a uh, gypsy queen, Romanian gypsy queen, and she could read cards and speak to the dead, and she could do it all. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Thank you, Yo Mama, for... Uh, uh, again, supporting the show. Uh, it's crazy that this has always been a part of who I am. It seems that it's entrenched in my genome, right? That it, that that's what's my makeup. It, it's to be open to the supernatural. My dad, when I got to go visit with him uh, about a year ago, uh, he had had his first COVID shot and was going in for a second and you know that that can cause some issues. And uh, he was an elderly guy and living alone in, in Florida. So I flew there to go spend some time with him and he did a full read for me. He pulled out and he, he read a deck of cards and would tell me and explain to me this outline of my life. And it was pretty impressive watching him do what he did. And you could tell that he was there talking to me, but somebody else was running the ship if that makes sense. I don't know if he was necessarily channeling my great-great-grandmother or if he was just in tune to whatever ethereal plane exists. But he was eerily accurate on 99% of my life. Um, it, was, it was amazing to have that kind of come up and to be so prevalent in who I am and then to find out that it's a natural state and that my mom and aunt, they were the nurture side of this, right? They were the ones that were supporting my interest and never shunning me or putting me down or trying to talk me out of my interest in this. And they, they let that escalate through my life. And then my father and his biological line turns out to be the nature aspect of this. So 
I'm becoming more open to the supernatural and, and have a fascination with trying to reach into that part of who I am, the more spiritual, psychic realm. Although I, I do it reluctantly because I'm not quite sure I, I want to know things. And um, that's interesting to me. And I'll, I'll throw that question up to the audience here as well. Would you want a gift? Would you want the ability to suddenly start to see and speak with the dead? to hear things, to hear the voices, and become a conduit for the other side. And I don't want a quick knee-jerk reaction of, yes, 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 that's awesome. I want you to really put a little thought into that, because I got to guess, again, with every wish, there comes a curse. Going into that, opening yourself up to that dynamic, connecting with the dead, how will that start to impact and affect your life? And that's part of what's kind of tethered me back or tethered me onto earth here instead of allowing me to have more of a journey is my fear of how will that impact and affect the rest of the things I do. Um, so it, that's, that's kind of where I stand at this point. I, I've, I've always had this fascination and as an adult, what's great to sit back and look upon is the concept that I've been doing magic my whole life, not magic in the sense of, confusing others by sleight of hand, but by manifestation, intention setting, things that I've wanted, I've always gotten. And that's not just living under a four-leaf clover or a horseshoe. It's the concept that I believe when you really do focus on, on one thing, it becomes a focal point for you and your, your journey in life will find a way to put you there. Uh, from a very early age, I was fascinated with radio and wanted to be on radio. I had no idea why. I grew up in a great era, the 70s and 80s, and the music was unbelievable. And so were the radio personalities in Chicago, Larry Lujak and Wally Phillips and Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer and and uh, so many just amazing personalities that lit up the radio waves and engaged your mind in a way that I I don't hear anymore, sadly but I knew that that was for me. There was an innate storyteller in me. There was something that wanted to come out and communicate long distance, right? This is in a sense, what I do here is a form of psychic communication. I'm here in my home office and I'm, I'm broadcasting out to the world, sharing insights, stories, people's histories and mysteries, it's pretty rem remarkable, right? That that happens and that we're able to do that. It's not on the cosmic scope of my mind to your mind, and we're able to communicate that way, but it does show that there are things going on around us that are so much bigger than we give credit for. I look at these moments in my life, wanting to be a radio show, host, sitting in the garage with my friend Rick and our little tape recorder and slick Rick and, uh, and Dave the Wave doing our radio shows and taking it from introducing songs, uh, you know, hey, this is Dave the Wave, and coming up next, we've got Casey and the Sunshine Band, right? Doing those fun little bits and then playing the music from that we were copping off the radio to telling theater of the mind stories, reading and acting out Hardy Boys stories and the mysteries involved. And I sit back and I look at all the stories that engaged me as a child, Hardy Boys and Encyclopedia Brown, Sherlock Holmes, all of these mysteries 
that allowed us into a realm to explore. And I think that's really uh, another germination to who I am and where I've come from. Putting out to the universe that I wanted radio, it took a long time to get there. So I want people listening to my voice right now to realize when you set a goal, it may take a while for you to get there, but that may be because the universe is putting things in your path so that when you finally make it to that goal, you're ready for that goal, that you're ready to take on that moment, that you're ready to step up. And that's what I believe life did. Brought me to Winona State University, and I fell in love with college radio. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, I had my ghostly encounter there was uh, having my roommates after a few weeks of just kind of staying at home and drinking and hanging out. It was my first time away from home. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shy human being, and I think I've mentioned that before to you guys, but I am a shy human being in real world. So it's not always easy for me to engage people in conversation. So I was learning all of these new roommates I had. We rented a house across the street from campus. And one day they're like, Schrader, just get out of the house and go make friends. Get out and go get a life. You can't just hang out with us. So I went out and I followed this really cute little blonde with ponytails and short 80 shorts up, up the uh, street and figured, all right, I'll see where this takes me. And I followed her into the Performing Arts Center. And I thought, Performing Arts. I like the performing arts. I've I've been in plays, believe it or not. I was in The Sound of Mucus, uh, Music, although when you heard me sing, you might have agreed with the first version I said. I was in the play ER. I was in uh, Our Town. I was in Annie Get Your Gun. And I just had an amazing time. I loved it. So I figured, I'll follow her. Maybe I could try out for a play at college. She walked past the tryout rooms. And then there was the, the choir rooms. I'm not going to go in there. I, I I can't hold a note to save my life. And I kept following her down. She goes down this long hall and stops at a door, the last door on the left. And then she opens the door and goes in. All right. So I walk down the hall. Lo and behold, there's a sign that says KQAL 89.5, your radio alternative. Now seeking on-air talent. And I'm like, yeah, double bonus. This would be great. Apparently, I'm going to meet a beautiful young lady. I'm going to get to go to college. I'm going to get to be on college radio. I walk in the room. I'm uh, greeted by a great foursome of guys that were standing there uh, that were the, the program directors, music directors, our, our professor that was running it. And nowhere to be found was this cute little blonde. And they hit me with a barrage of questions. Did I want to get on air? What was my interest in radio? Can I start training tomorrow? Sure, 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 sure. What, what are you looking for, Dave? You keep pivoting your head. I said, oh, I, I followed a little blonde in here. And they all looked at each other and said, well, do you think we'd be talking to you if a little blonde came in this room? Was that an angelic encounter? I don't know. I, fascinating to me. I, I was brought there for some reason. And, and I went and started my life there. Yeah, Lauren, it was. It was divine intervention coming from my blonde friend, Lauren, of course. She'll, she'll of course, think that's divine intervention. Um, it brought me to it. So it was right there under my nose. And I found my my calling, my mark was my radio. And I loved doing it. And I loved the, the concept of what I was doing. And, and stayed in it for a few years. And then met Tim while I was there, Tim Dennis, and uh, struck up a friendship with him. He stayed in the radio world. I went into the real world of sales and marketing and 
you know, we always stayed friendly with one another. And, and uh, eventually he reached out and asked me in 2005 if I wanted to do a radio show together. And I said, sure. And he said, it's a late night, one hour spot I have to fill. And we launched Darkness Radio that January 1st, 2006 and never looked back. So it's been pretty amazing as a ride. Now, for those of you that follow my journey or are new here, I left that radio show, Darkness Radio, last year at the same time, exact same time. I took a few months off to myself to kind of recalibrate and regauge what I found in my life and what I wanted out of it. And I decided that I would step away from Darkness Radio, and I began this program on a wing and a prayer. Not sure if people were going to follow me, uh, if people still had an interest in what I had to share or how I interview people and spoke to them. So... I stepped into the arena and created the Paranormal 60. And thank you all that have found me and and have stayed by me. And many of you reach out to me and you've been listening since 2006, 2009, 2012. Some of you just found me. Either way, I'm, I'm thankful you're here. And I hope that you enjoy these journeys that we take together every night. Because that's what it is for me. It's a place outside of my own head. It's a way for me to engage with you and share really remarkable things. Aaron Higgins says, this program has saved my life in more ways than one. Well, thank you, Aaron. Those are the the gratitudes and platitudes I get that make my heart happy and let me know I've, I'm on the right track. Because I'll tell you, it is tough. There are days you think, I'm a grown man. How much longer can I talk about ghosts and Bigfoot and UFOs and aliens and all of the strange world around me? And then I get messages like that and I think, well, I, I think I've got at least 10 more years in me. Shiloh says, always interested in what you have to say. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Shiloh. I appreciate that very much. If you have questions, feel free to put the questions up in the chat room. And uh, I will have them pop up on screen. I will answer for those. Deb from uh, from the SAC, I guess at Sacramento, I'm guessing. We're grateful for you, Dave. Thank you. And I don't want this to turn into a, a let's pat Dave on the back evening. I swear that's not what this is about. It was simply about another guest had to cancel because of illness. I was tied up most of the day dealing with with changes that are taking place at my house. We have uh, construction starting up and I've got a, an ill daughter, so I didn't get a chance to re-engage. But I thought this would be a good opportunity for you and I to sit down and kind of talk. And, uh, you know, I'll take you wherever you'd like to go tonight um, when it comes to the concepts of the paranormal. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask any questions. I got a live chat room. Got 200 people are watching along with me. You can't be so afraid. Feel free to ask any question, anything you want to know about any of the programs I've been a part of, uh, ins and outs, I will tell you and my thoughts and maybe how they progressed over the years, whatever you'd like to know. Android paranormal says, are you open to doing another show to help a different town that also has a spike in paranormal activity? Android is referring to, of course, uh, the ghosts of Devil's Perch. Of course I am. Um, here's, here's how it works. And there's a lot of people that are frustrated with me. They think that the reason that there's not a second season is that I'm holding out or Cindy's holding out or we just haven't found somebody to help. There are cities knocking on our door that want us to come out and help. But you don't just do it. You've, we, we have to have a production company behind us. We have to have a network that wants to air the show. That's the reality of reality TV. So it's not for lack of want or desire. I would more than willingly go out and, and help any of these. Uh, but unfortunately, it has to be a job. It's got to be something that I'm paid to go do and, and I'm put into that town. And I know that sounds weird. Well, Dave, why wouldn't you just do it on your own? I do help families. 
and businesses and friends on my own all the time. Uh, I just can't pull myself away from my family for three months and, you know, entrench myself into a community and uh, foot the bill. <laughs> it's just, I can't do it. I wish I could. Could you? Could you? I'm asking you. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, but I would love to. I would love to get out there and help. Uh, Deb wants to know, what part did I play in The Sound of Music? All right. I said any question, and I promised I would answer. So <laughs> my friend Larry Stute, who was a sweetheart, I had been in a play the year before. It was just a regular play, ER. I barely had a speaking role. Um, my friend Rick and I, the guy that used to practice with me in the garage with our tape recorder doing radio shows, we got these two roles as two guys that were, had had a fight. My character had a broken jaw, so I couldn't speak. Um, we came in and lit the place up for the 10 minutes we had on stage. People loved what we did. We were funny, pantomiming, very Harpo Marxy, and having some great moments. And the director said for the following year, hey, Schrader, I want you to be in my next play. We're doing The Sound of Music. I said, Larry, I don't sing. I'm not going to sing. He goes, no, no, no. I'll give you a little Nazi role or something. You'd be a walk-on. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schrader, I want you to be, uh, I want you to be Rolf. Rolf Gruber. Remember him? He's a little jerky Nazi kid that turns in the Von Trapp family. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that. And it had been a while since I'd seen the movie, apparently. So we get in for our first read through and uh, I'm like, what is this? Is this a song? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you'll do fine, kid. You'll do fine. I'm like, no, Larry, I don't sing. So for the two and a half months we had of rehearsal, I would not utter a sound. I did the little dance moves. I curtsied and bowed and whatever else I was supposed to do and held her hand and the director sang it. And I said, I'll sing on opening night. But if I sing right now and anybody cringes, I get any kind of look of pain from anybody, I won't be able to do it on stage. So a uh, funny little moment as I got up on stage at night and, and had to perform for the first time. Uh, we were at Trinity Lutheran Church in Roselle. So it's a little theater, beautiful place, beautiful setup, but like a herd of antelope when the stage lights come up and there's Liesl and I, and we're on stage and there's the little park bench and the, the street light. And I ask the question to Liesl and all of a sudden you're the entire cast and crew ran out from behind the stage and run out to the back of the room to stand there and watch me as I had to do my first song live. And, uh, I managed to pull it off without making too many people bleed. And, uh, so that was it. So I was Rolf Gruber, the little, uh, jerky Nazi kid that turns in the Von Trapp family. My singing probably should have gotten me uh, shot instead of the Von Trapp family. Robin, good to see. Oh, Robin is a sweetheart. This is a friend of mine, uh, started way back when, when we started doing the radio show and live events and she would come to my events and she met her husband at my events and they asked me to be a part of their wedding, which they had at my Queen Mary event. So I always love when she pops up. Uh, she asked, what do you want to be doing in five years if nothing is impossible? I, that's a great question. I would love more than anything to be the full-time host of Coast to Coast AM. I would love to have that chance to end my career in that place. I, I was a fill-in host for five years and I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. And I got to a global audience in a way I'd never gotten to before. So that was very exciting for me, Robin. Um, I would also like to continue 
doing things where I can continue to learn history and help teach history through the paranormal. Because I am so tickled that parents come up to me all the time. They're like, my kids and I watch your show all the time. They love it. And they love learning the history. And that makes my heart swell. Like the Grinch three times its normal size when I hear these things. And kids, my gosh, kids are doing homework assignments uh, based on the Holzer files and Ghosts of Devil's Perch. They're teaching about how things cyclically take place, history, and so on. And people post those things on social media and show me, and it's amazing to know that we've had a good influence, a positive influence. I know our shows are not for everyone, but I hope that what we've done is brought respect to the community um, in any light. You know, the whole concept to me has been, what can we do to help these spirits? And that's been a big effort for me, Robin. And I know it has been for you and for Randy. That's why when people contact me from the Colorado area, your team is the first I reach out to. So thank you for being a friend all these years and being here tonight to support me as well. Wolf, welcome. He says, Dave, do you think ghost spirits we encounter are the dead in purgatory, stuck on earth until they atone for their sins? Wow, Wolf, that's a that's a very ponderous, deep question. That's a great question. Um, boy, I I would hate to believe that that's the case. That your eternity until eternity is stuck, just wandering the earth, being ignored. Although I'm a father and I've got eleven kids, and I'm used to being ignored by people I'm trying to talk to, so that wouldn't be such a far stretch for me. Um, I don't know what I believe quite yet, Wolf. It's always shifting and changing. It's like a puzzle box. Every time I get one side completed and I'm all excited, I flip it over and realize there's still puzzle to be fixed on the other sides. And I keep trying to shift those positions. I think that we are so um, fascinated with pigeonholing things and giving them a title that we want to uh, we want things to be a certain way. So ghosts have to be this or that or definitively that or this. And I think there's so much more going on. Uh, you know, poltergeist activity, the great Dr. Barry Taff has written about it and talked about it for years that he believes most people um, that are the center of the poltergeist agent, the poltergeist battery in those cases are probably dealing with some form of, um, what's the right term, epilepsy, uh, that there's electrical storms taking place in the brain that's allowing them to see and experience these things and releasing that kind of chaotic energy. Um, and it's interesting that they did so many different research polls. And in most of the cases that they worked on, they found that, uh, Dr. Barry Taff, you can find his book online on amazon.com. I'd suggest you pick up a copy. It's a big, thick tome, and it really does go into a lot of these concepts. Um, but I, I, you know, there, I think there's a lot going on. I think a lot of it's time slip phenomena. I think there are some intelligent spirits that are here. I do believe that there are some trickster spirits that may take on the guise of some uh, loved ones or things that we like and respect children, ghosts, animals, ghosts, so that uh, they can manipulate us. Um, I don't have one definitive answer, but yours is just as plausible as any of them, right? Uh, the concept that this is it. I, I will tell you, and I'll get to your question in a second here, Jamie. Uh, I know it's up on the screen for those of you watching along. Um, I, my concept of heaven and hell, and I've talked about this off and on on different programs, but I'll mention, I, I believe that, again, manifestation and intention, the grand design of our life, we're all going to face heaven and we're going to face hell. 
and I believe we face hell first. And the atonement for hell is that we are going to be there. And maybe this fits in with your question, Wolf. Maybe hell is me having to live through the life of the person that I've influenced negatively by my hurtful words or actions, by the things that I've done that sent that marble careening off course. And now I have to see how I affected that person's personality and affected their relationships and their frailties. And, and then I start back at square one and, and then connect with the next person that I hurt. And I think that that's our hell is that we will have to be held accountable for all of the horrible things we've done to people, uh, real, uh, or imagined. Um, Meaning, you know, the things that whether, well, I, that wasn't that bad. It's, I don't think it's up to us to judge. We'll get a chance to see truly in the end. That's why as an adult, I've tried to do more now to make people's lives better and influence them in as good a way as I possibly can. So that when I get to the chance to, to review heaven, I'm hoping it's going to be a much longer experience. And my idea of heaven is that I'm going to get to live through the life of each person that I influenced positively. And that I will get to see their life unfold with the things that maybe I help them with. And maybe that sounds like it's too based in ego or arrogance, and I don't mean it to be. But to me, that would be heaven. To not just feel like I've made a difference, but to get to see how I made a difference. And I have kept my favorite souvenirs over the years are not pieces of haunted locations or my scripts. Uh, and by scripts, I mean outlines of episodes we, we were working on. Um, but, but the emails that I get from the listeners who've told me specifically how I've impacted their life in a way that blows my mind by things I've said or done or the stories I've shared that I didn't shoot down and I was respectful towards, it's really powerful to me. So I'm glad that I've been an influence to some people throughout their life, and, and I hope that that's my heaven. I hope that I'll get to see all those moments play out and that'll be what happens. But maybe, maybe the purgatory you're talking of, Wolf, is maybe that's the people that they're stuck here watching the lives of all the people they've affected right now. And that's what they're going through. Maybe that's sometimes why they're so tortured or they want out. So think about that. That's a, that's a mind bomb to put on you, right? All right. Jamie says, would you go ghost hunting in the woods by yourself or with a friend or have you done it already? Okay. I'll answer this question, then I have to take a quick break, Jamie. I am an avid endorsement. I've talked about it often on the show uh, and my other shows. I'm not a big fan of the outdoors. Uh, it's beautiful, but it's pokey and dirty and things that want to bite you out there. Uh, I'm not always keen on the out of doors, but I have gone out and investigated outdoors. I've done little Bigfoot searches and I've, I've gone places. I went with my buddy Rick again. We went to a, a, a famous national park reserve park reserve in illinois uh that is a burial ground actually for a native american family and we went in there uh and he was trying to impress a couple of girls that he had brought along you know this buddy dave who's on radio and tv and this was many years ago and so as we're walking through the forest at one point we're, we're kind of taking it very lightheartedly and this was early in my journey of really starting to understand the respect that needs to be given to the location and to the history and to the spirits that have passed. And uh, I was just worried about being the tough, tough guy, paranormal investigator. When we heard this wailing sound, sounded like an, a siren going off 
you know, like those tornado sirens here at the beginning of every month, just that it filled the entire forest and then it waned. And when it waned, it turned into what sounded like a hundred wolves or dogs charging through the woods towards us. You could hear the snapping of, of twigs, the leaves crunching. You could, as it's making its way towards us, what are we going to do? The two of us both reach out and grab big sticks. And I'm like, we're going to have to save our lives by beating these dogs with a stick to get out of here. And we both just stood there, kind of settled in the girls between us and our sticks up and we're slowly backing up out of there. And I'm like, we're leaving. We're going to go now. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to interrupt anything. We didn't mean to disturb you. And uh, all of a sudden, the barking stopped. Not a whimper, not a whine. And if you've ever heard a pack of dogs, they may go from... <laughs> You're going to continue to hear that. There was nothing. It just stopped like that on a dime. It was crazy um, and really terrifying. So people always ask me, what's a scary moment for you? That was one of them. Could it have been a pack of coyotes or, or wolves? Sure. Maybe they heard the human speak and they stopped and they're like, Ooh, we better check this thing out. And we were backing up and got out of there before they had a chance to decide we look good for dinner that night. I don't know, but it was definitely one of the more frightening and bizarre things. I do want to get out and I want to Bigfoot um, investigate, not Bigfoot hunt. I, I would love to get out and try that. And I've been outdoors at the Isetti Ranch in uh, Trout Lake, Washington, where I had UFO experiences. So I have put myself out there and I'm always interested in, in going out and doing that. Um, you know, if it helps put a stamp on the story. We did that at uh, in the Holzer Files season two when we were up at America's Stonehenge in New Hampshire. So I hope that answers your questions. I know we've got more questions building up. We'll come back for those. We'll talk more. Um, I'm here for you tonight. This is our night together, and I'll answer any questions that you have. Uh, if you'd like to join the show in tonight's program guide on YouTube, you should see a link. You click that link. You could join me live video and audio, and we can have a conversation. If you'd like to talk about your own experiences or you have questions, you could feel free to do it that way. But first, we have to do this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better, 
help, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Your chance to get off the couch and into the game has taken place this May 5th and 6th. As Shane Pittman, Dave Schrader from the Holzer Files, go back behind bars for our Clinko de Mayo event. Oh, clever, huh? We're going to go back and investigate truly one of the most haunted prisons I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of prisons, folks. This place is crazy. Off the charts, EVP, DVP, direct voice phenomena, strange phenomena all night long. I can't wait to get back there, and I can't wait to see you. Only a handful of VIP tickets still available. That gets you into the ghost hunt both nights, the daily walkthroughs, and the presentation by Shane Pittman and myself, and our new friend Kitsy Duncan. She is uh, sensitive. She'll be joining us there as well. So we're going to have a great time with that. You can get more information at darknessevents.com. You'll also find all the other amazing places you can join me this year, including Germany. How would you like to get out and see Germany with me? It's going to be fantastic. We're doing it this July, the dark supernatural trails of Germany and Prague. We're going to get a chance to see some of the most haunted sites. You guys don't want to miss this. I've been there. I've seen it for myself. It is an adventure of a lifetime, and there are only four spots that still remain open. So if you're interested, darkness, events, Com. That's the best place for you to go check it out. But there's something coming up just a little bit sooner. I'd like to see you here. Hey, it's Chris Jericho here just reminding you about the Four Leaf Clover. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the fourth voyage, leaving February 2nd from Miami to Great Stirrup Key, our very own private island. This is going to be the biggest and best Jericho cruise ever with the biggest lineup the most fun, I guarantee it. Come join us for the vacation and the party of a lifetime. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Cabin's still available. I want to see you there. And if Chris Jericho isn't enough for you, there's comedian Jeff Dye and Brad Williams. The band Quiet Riot will be on board. Chris's band Fozzy. We'll be on board performing every day of the trip. I'll be there. I'll be doing my talks on the paranormal, and I'm going to be joined by two of the paranormal news crew, Marty, that's right, the Colonel, and Chachi. Eric will be there. You guys can hang out with us, drink, have fun, and enjoy the entire weekend. We're going to be doing a live show on the final day of the cruise as well, so we want you to be a part of it. There are still tickets available. You can find all the information at chrisjerichocruise.com. If you can't remember that, just go to darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. All right, let's get back to it. I'm willing to uh, take your questions and answers, and I'll do everything I can here uh, to answer as many of them as I can by the top of the hour. Trisha Murphy says, awesome, that's going to be a great investigation. Will you ever be in Arizona? I would love to meet you and investigate with you. Um I would love to if they uh, if there's an event in Arizona that's looking for a you know well-known and renowned paranormal investigator, they can bring me in and I'd be happy to be a part of it. Uh, I was out in Arizona when I did the episode The Stardust Ranch 
with ghost adventures uh what about five six seven years ago that was amazing what a fun time that was what a weird experience um that was uh truly one of the most unusual investigations i've ever been a part of but i'd love to get back out to arizona and the best way for you to keep up with that is check darknessevents.com i know i'm going to be out in utah this year i'm going to be in san bernardino california january 13th through the 15th at the fear fair and we're going to have a great weekend out there of music and uh, paranormal talks freak show acts that are going to be doing things that's what they're calling themselves the freak show act so don't get mad at me and send me hate mail i'm just letting you know what they're going to be doing all right. Uh, Trinette Caps asks, are there any places you refuse to investigate out of fear? No. I, I, I know it sounds stupid, and I'm not trying to be bravado because I hate that macho bravado crap. If you've watched any of the shows I've been on, you know I uh, am an overly sensitive guy who cries easily. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't walk into these places in a place of fear. I've gone in with some trepidation because I hear the stories and there's dark forces. But what I try to remind myself is how many times have you had just a crap day and somebody that doesn't know you out of the ordinary sees you and they think that person is a complete and absolute psychopath. Well, maybe that's what that spirit's going through that day is a bad day. 200 people have traipsed through there in the last week asking, what's your name? When'd you die? How'd you die? Who is the president? And they've run the gamut of these same stupid questions over and over and over again. And they're not helping the spirits. And maybe these spirits are lashing out out of frustration that they just want to be heard. They want to be seen. And I try to give them that benefit of the doubt when I go into these investigations. I've been unnerved in some of them, frightened at a few points, but then I try to take that deep breath and go, okay, what can we do to help you? You could back off. You can, if you saw the season finale of uh, the Ghost of Devil's Perch, um, you'll see me do that exactly. If you did not, we'll go watch it. It's a great show, Discovery Plus and Travel Channel. It's called The Ghosts of Devil's Perch. And then you can come back here to the Paranormal 60 YouTube channel, scroll back. I did a whole bunch of episodes where we looked at those episodes and talked about them behind the scenes stories and more things that you didn't get to see in the episode. Um, so that's, uh, I guess that's my answer. There's no place that I would be again, this has nothing to do with the paranormal, but I have been offered to go investigate a potential UFO crash site. I'm reluctant only because the people that uncovered it are dying of cancer and other maladies. So I don't know if there's an overwhelming uh, amount of radiation or something up there. Uh, it is also in the wilds in the South and I'm not a fan of bitey, snaky, crocodile-y things. So, oh, Dave, crocodiles are in the Nile. Okay. They're not going to be in the South. Those are alligators. You should know these things. All right. Whatever, smart ass, you know my point. I just don't want to go out there and be bitten and eaten alive by something living. Uh, the, the living things scare me much more than the dead. Hey, Loki, she says, would you investigate the Japanese suicide forest? All right. Investigate. Um, that is an interesting question. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with this, this forest in Japan, um, hundreds of upon hundreds of people take their lives there every year. There's been a few of the paranormal shows that have gone there. That's not for me in that sense. Would I go there? Yes. I would go there with the hopes of helping those spirits. I wouldn't want to do it on TV. Um, 
Would I do it for the radio show? Would I record it? I might. Not for exploitative reasons, but just to journal it and share if there's something profound there. But I want to know if it's something to do with the land or if it's just a place that's gained that reputation so that's where people just automatically go. Are they drawn there because of something malevolent or are they drawn there just because that's where you go to die? But there are probably a lot of spirits there that are lost and frightened and I don't speak the language, so I don't know how effective I would be, uh, but I would go there mainly to try to do some sealing prayers and blessings to try to break that. So, I, yeah, it would be fascinating to go there um, just simply for that reason to try to help. I'm sorry to get so pausey on you. It's just I'm trying to think of the right words to say here because it, it does feel kind of exploitive to say I would, but um I would go there hopefully for the for the right reasons. Sarah and Tiffany Adventure says, what can we do to help you get more shows like Ghosts of Devil's Perch? Just keep tuning into the programs that you see me on. Um, let them know. Right now, nothing's going to happen for a while at Discovery and Travel Channel because of the big giant merger that they did with uh, HBO and, and uh, Warner Brothers. So I think they're working uh, diligently on smoothing out the edges and lumps on that. I know some of your very favorite shows are still out there. Dead Files is filming. Uh, Kindred Spirits new series starts up here very soon. Ghost Adventures is filming. Ghost Hunters, I think, just wrapped up filming. So there's a lot of your favorites that will be back out there. We didn't make the uh, docket uh, this time, but who knows? Maybe once they're back up and running to full steam, I'll get a chance. I would love the chance to go back out there and, and do some good to help some towns. Um, I am planning on uh, getting together with Fisk and doing an event out in Butte, Montana at some point this year. So keep watching the show here and keep checking darknessevents.com. Kimberly Hinkle says, with so many people misidentifying things as paranormal when they aren't, how does the vetting process work when picking a location to investigate? Um, good question, Kimberly. I, you know, the vetting process to me is, Let's go there um, and hear the stories. Even if we think there's something fishy about what's being said or done, I don't want to judge it too harshly because everybody reacts differently to certain situations. You do have the overreactive type that flinch at everything and believe that every mouse fart is a demonic ghost. Uh, and then you have people like me who kind of get jaded after a while and it really takes like a floating severed head on fire to upset the apple cart. Um, so I don't discount anything anybody says, but, you know, I go in with the hopes that we can go in there and get to the bottom of it. And I feel that we've been misdirected a few times. I don't know that it's necessarily on purpose or is it their misunderstanding what is actually taking place there? I hope that makes some sense. Uh, oh, looks like I've got a shy person uh, joining me here. Uh, I'll take Tiki Monster's question and then it looks like Sasquatch has entered. Oh, nope, maybe not. They've dropped out. Tiki Monster 23 says, is there somewhere in the world you've never been that you would love to investigate? Uh, yeah. Like I said, the White House. White House would be my number one place to investigate. I would love to get into the Amityville house um, because I'm friends with Christopher Lutz, the young boy, um, the youngest son from the Lutz family. And I believe his story. I believe that the family was haunted, not the home. And I would love to go there, though, just, uh, I, I got to guess, that's such a psychic scar that's been left there from the murders from the DeFeo family. So, um, 
that would be, I guess, a big part of it. Hey, do me a favor, folks. Uh, when you get done watching this episode here on YouTube, make sure that you go comment on it, even though it's already over. Just go comment on it um, and like it. Uh, that just helps us get a broader um, audience base and more reach. So I'd really appreciate that help if you could. I see a couple people popping up into my chat room, uh, green room, so I'm going to be pulling them up on the screen here. Uh, we, I have enacted a new thing here on the show, the uh, super chat feature and super stickers and all that stuff. It's brand new to me, um, but if you care to join in on it and be a part of it, it's a way to help um, uh, support the show and the projects and the things that we do here and and uh, the entertainment that we bring you. So please consider doing that as well. And go hit that like button right now. Give me a thumbs up. All right. And if you're listening to the show after the fact, please do consider rating and reviewing the show, no matter where you listen to it. If they have that feature, please rate and review, not just give it a five stars, but if you could write a little bit about what you love about the show, that helps us um, as well. All right. Let's see. I've got uh Sasquatch. What is it? Sasquatch. I like that. Uh, joining me in here. Oh yes. Sasquatch. Hey, this is incredible. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? I'm, I'm great. My name is actually Lane, but Sasquatch is just my YouTube. All right. <laughs> well, Lane, it's good to see you here. Uh, what did you What did you want to talk about? Right, my question was actually about coast to coast. I wrote my question mm -hmm. down so I wouldn't forget it. Um, so, as a host of Coast mm -hmm. to Coast, occasionally, do you get to pick your guests? Is there sort of a roster that the other guest hosts get to pick from, or do you just interview whoever they give you? And then, as far as your own personal style, you know. Do you get instruction from the studio or do they just let you go and just do your own thing? Uh, well, when I started with Coast to Coast, um, I got a one-off shot. Ian Punnett had recommended me um, and Ian and I have become friends. So when he fully stepped down, he suggested I take over and they and John B. Wells had just uh, been let go. And Ian Punnett had uh, retired for a while dealing with tinnitus, going back to school. So they gave me the chance to come in. And what they really liked about me was that I, had, I was already tenured in the fact of knowing how to host a show like this. And I had a deep well of guests that they had never had on their show. So I just started pulling for my favorites. You know, in my first episode, I think I had uh, Mark Anthony and I had Jeff Mudgett on the show with me um, and broke with them stories that had not been covered on Coast to Coast. So... I think out of the five years, they gave me guests twice and all the rest was they liked the fact that I just came in prepared and I had guests to share with them. Sometimes they were guests I just had on my other program, um, but I knew that there was a lot more there and I wanted to give the three hours to them that I could uh, afford on Coast to Coast. Uh, but they were pretty good about just letting me do what I do. I think there was only one time we clashed and I had this guy on this uh, demonologist and he spent the entire hour kind of blathering on and on about stuff. And, and I was, you know, he, he wouldn't let me get much uh, word in edgewise. And then um, he made some comments at the end and he started listing off names of demons. You know, okay. I've dealt with happy and doc and grumpy and sleepy. And, you know, I'm not using real demon names here, but just giving you the concept. And we go to commercial break and uh, Tommy, the, George's producer gets in my ear and he goes, if you want to hang up on this jackass, just go ahead. We'll just go to, to questions. And I'm like, no, Tom, I think this guy has something to share. I just think he's, his walls are up so high right now. And I think he thinks he has to prove himself, but I, I want, I want to give him a chance. I want to, I have a question for him. And when we came back from the commercial break, I did my little rejoinder and I said, all right, so, um, 
you know, I, I have to ask you a question as a demonologist. I've heard this statement said for years that by naming a demon, by calling on that demon, it gives them power and strength. Now you just rattled off about 20 demon names on the show that's being heard by million plus listeners worldwide. And then it's going to go into our archives and played over and over and over again. Are we bolstering or emboldening these demons by doing something like that? And his response was, are you questioning me? Do you think I don't know my job? You know, did you read the Necronymicon? Did you read the, uh, the demon handbook? Did you read this? Did you read that? Did you read any just list like bam, bam, bam. He was hitting me with all these. And then I said, nope. Nope, I didn't. But the one book you need to read is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Have a good rest <laughs> of your night. And I hung up. I said, we'll be back with your calls right after this on Coast to Coast. And I went to commercial. Tommy, the producer, came in my ear. He goes, dude, that was awesome. What a great way to get rid of that jackwad. And then um, I, I had to deal with the uh, the other producer saying, Dave, that's not how we handle things here. We don't, uh, we don't just hang up on him. And I'm like, well, you know, he came into our home. I gave him respect. And all he did was bully and boister. And, and I know, but that's not how we do it. And I said, okay, that's fine. So that was like the only wrist slap that I ever got from coast to coast. Um, and then there was the big aftermath. And by big aftermath, I mean the, and it's still out there. You can go find it. The uh, um, petition to get me kicked off of, of coast to coast AM. And it was signed by 10 of people. I wasn't so, aware of that. I, I, yeah, I was not I aware of that. I think 12, 12 to 18 people signed it. So it didn't go as well as they had hoped, but I sure love doing coast to coast. And, and, you know, when I stepped away, um, it was to take over Art Bell's other show, uh, Midnight in the Desert. Yep. After Art passed away, I became the, uh, the full time host of coast or of uh, Midnight in the Desert. And I thought to myself, how can I turn this opportunity down? It would be a great way to bridge that gap between coast to coast and midnight in the desert because there was this weird animosity. And I was told that if I took that, I would not be uh, really welcome back as a host. So I understood the position and I understood where they came from. They'd taken a lot of flack and abuse from Art Bell in his living years. But I thought to myself, I will be the only other human on earth that got to host Art Bell's first show, Coast to Coast AM, and Art Bell's last show, Midnight in the Desert. The only other person that's done that was Art Bell. So I felt like that was a pretty good place to be, and I spent a few years doing that and really loved it. So um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, I'm a, I'm more of a skeptic myself. I love all of these sure. topics, but I did definitely when I get into these conversations, I sometimes just asking a question can ruffle people's feathers a sure. little bit, just, you know. Well, and it's okay to do that, right? I mean, here's the deal is you can't you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. It doesn't mean that it has to be combative or angry. It can be a dialogue between two grown adults, which a lot of people have forgotten to do, that you can believe the sky is blue and I can believe the sky is red, and we can still have a civil conversation with one another, but making a point of why we believe these things to be true and why we believe that the other person's perspective might be skewed or off. And that's okay. That's how we learn to grow and get past these roadblocks in life. And that's how, you know, every great scientist was scoffed at and laughed at at some point for making hypotheses about something that was out of the norm. Some of them were put to death being considered charlatans. But if we come together again and start to talk these things through, I think we're going to get a lot farther in life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just, uh, do you mind if I ask another question? Sure. One more. And then I've got Donna waiting in the green oh, room as well. All right. No problem. Yeah. It, yeah. Just, just with so many um, guests of 
shows uh-huh. like Coast to Coast. I mean, a lot of these people have points of view that are at odds with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. so I, uh, I mean, I guess trying to find the question here, uh, pushing against and trying to call, I don't want to say call people out, but really hold people to task, like all of these different viewpoints. I mean, is that some, it's, it's a tough job. You have to walk that balance beam. I, I always believed in the fact that, listen, I've got you on my show tonight. It's your chance to shine and tell your story. It could be completely flying in the face of my belief system, but that's okay. And here's, here's an important lesson I learned, but you know, there was this, um, we got a call in one night and this guy started telling this weird story about this giant frog character that would sit outside his bedroom door and it sat there and it was creepy. It was like a a gargoyle. And if he got up out of bed, it would snarl at him, get back in bed. And he'd get back in bed and and he was freaked out by this thing. And, you know, at the time my co-host and I are looking at each other through the window going, well, I want a puff of whatever this guy's smoking. Right. And, but we're not being disrespectful to the guests. We're just hearing his story. You know, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's fascinating. Let's hear him out. And we got done and we showed him respect and kindness. And thank you for sharing that story. I've never heard of anything like that. And then over the next week or two, as people found that episode and listened to it, I started receiving email after email telling me, Dave, thank you for showing that guy respect. Thank you for, for letting him tell his whole story because I've been on the edge of suicide a few times because I thought I was going insane. I've seen the same creature. I've had the same experience and now I know I'm not alone. So I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want to, I want to give everybody a chance to shine and share their story. Whether it's fits in my paradigm or not, doesn't mean that they're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and they're right. It just means that there's different perspectives and different ways to look at things. You know, when uh, I used to have Rosemary Ellen Guiley, God rest her soul on the show, um, queen of the nighttime world, right? Written like, 50, 60 books on every aspect of the paranormal. And then she was going to come on and do fairies. And I kind of joked around and she said, why do you discard, discard this? You'll talk about ghosts and demons. You'll talk about Bigfoot. You'll talk about Chupacabra and flying mothmen. But the concept that fairies exist, something that predates most ghost stories, that's too remarkable and too silly to believe. And it put me back on my heels. And I thought, you're right. Why not believe in that? Why not at least hear out the stories, give them the respect they deserve to be told. So that's what I've done going forward as I've always tried to give the people. And there have been times, you know, I had one of my all-time favorite guests was this lady. Uh, I read her press release. She had met the devil incarnate in human form. She had met him and had interacted with him. And how could I not reach out to her? How could I not talk to this woman? And she she comes on my show and she's this genteel, sweet, older lady. And I go, so how, how did you meet the devil? She goes, well, I like to dance. And I was looking in the penny saver and there was an ad. A gentleman was looking for a dance partner. And there was this pause that I go, well, it's good to know that in a down economy, even the Prince of darkness has to resort to the penny saver to get a date. Right. And she knew I was having fun at her expense, but I was doing it politely and and we were both laughing at different aspects of the story and and for those that don't know the story as it turns out the devil lives in a double wide in arkansas that's what the story was and that he had other little uh concubines in the little cabins around him strange story but it was it was fun and entertaining and people loved it for what it was so that's what i get out of it is i give them a chance to just shine and hopefully there's a good story there and something that will reach other people and if it makes you sit back and go that was about the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my entire life but it got me thinking about this then the job is done 
Right, Makes well, sense? Yeah, that was awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for taking your time and sharing it with me in our journey. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. That was great. Donna, Donna, thank you for your patience. Hey. Welcome going? to the show. It's going well. What uh, What did you want to talk about? Well, first, I'm very grateful I no longer sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just got over a hey, Kermit the Frog here. Yep. <laughs> but, um... Something I've noticed over the years, you know, you've, I've always considered you a healthy skeptic, you know, be, you know, basically, you know, see the paranormal, but keep it real. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong in thinking that Lizzie Borden changed you a bit in that respect? Well, not Lizzie herself, but the situation. Yeah, I know the situation. I mean, the investigation, but everything did when I got knocked over on the Whaley house investigation, Mm. that changed my world. Because I'd never been touched. I'd, I'd felt things brush past me. I've had that spider web feel before where yeah. you're walking. It feels like you walked into a spider web. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I wish I'd have shown some of those footage from Holzer Files because there were a couple of times Shane and I would be talking. We'd walk into a ghost spider web and the two of us are like, <laughs> you know, waving at some imaginary spider web that's not there. Um, but being knocked down and, and having the experiences I've had has really opened me up to a totally different perspective of the energy that it takes uh, for these things to be seen and heard. Yeah, well, um, it's hearing to, voices it's, out it's loud. It's one thing to be yeah, hit physically, like you just said, being knocked down in the Whaley house. That's one thing. But when you're actually taken over and mm-hmm. you're being, you know, and you're channeling something, that's another yeah. ball game. You know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that at all. I didn't, I didn't like the feel of it. I know. it. It was so terrifying and foreign. Uh, if you haven't seen it, folks, there's a documentary called the curse of Lizzie Borden. And it's, it's, I think it's coming up on travel channel. Uh, it aired on Discovery Plus last year, and they're now mm-hmm. releasing it on Travel Channel, I think in January. So go look for The Curse of Lizzie Borden at it, and then uh, be a part of uh, watching it, and you'll see what happened to me. But I feel like um, I was there in good hands. I love and trust Chris Fleming. He's oh, yeah. a, brother, yeah. a brother to me, and I, I knew I was in good hands and that he wouldn't let things go horribly awry. Um, so that, that made me feel good about what, what was going on, but it was still very unnerving. And, uh, I I did feel like hopefully we brought some closure to Lizzie, at least in our group. All I can say is we can't speak for the other groups that came in after us to investigate, but I, hopefully she realized that some people still had respect for her and, and history. Yeah. So also I was wondering, have you ever investigated the Eastern state penitentiary? Oh yeah. Numerous okay. times. Yeah. I, I very seldom, I mean, I've seen maybe one, maybe two investigations aired on television and it's like ever since it's been like a dead zone. I don't understand. Yeah, we did. Well, I think it's because everybody did it. So oh. it's kind of like, you know, uh, people are trying to always push the envelope and find something new, a new place to go to. Um, you know, I did, uh, I investigated it probably about 10 times doing live events there. Oh, and then okay. we did an episode of uh, paranormal challenge. I was mm-hmm. on that TV miniseries. Mm-hmm. We went there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great place. Crazy. It's still on my active. bucket list. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's well worth visiting. And I, you know, they've reached out to me in the past and I really should get together with them and do another event there. So keep watching darkness events, uh, Donna, and maybe we'll be going back together. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Take care. All right. We're a little over our hour together. I'll try to do a couple more questions if there's any in the chat room. Deb says, Dave, what part of the episode, It's Just the Dog, made you laugh the hardest from Darkness Radio? My favorite episode. Love the Judds. Um, that's a good question. We, you know, I would open up to emails and read these stories that would be sent in to me. And, and it was just such an absurd, funny line 
in a story uh, and it, it cracked me up and Tim and I just lost it. And so my favorite part of that was just the fun of us laughing. And I love when, like with the, the paranormal news crew, um, once in a while when we all just break and we start laughing, I love that moment. I love that break in normalcy and, and being able to cut loose with one another. Um, and, and the audience seems to like it too. I do want, let me address one thing because I've had, I had somebody bring this up to me today and I know that their approach was not the best, but, uh, I, you know, I had somebody who showed a concern for my drinking on Friday nights. Uh, I'm not a big drinker. I really am not. I grew up, uh, with alcoholics around me and, um, <clears throat> and it's not a life or a world that I'm keen to repeat. I drank, sure. I drank a lot when I was in high school and college. Cause that's what you do when you're an idiot young person. Right. Um, but I've strayed away from that. I, I have a drink, maybe two on Friday nights with my friends, but, uh, whereas you see them drinking an entire glass of scotch, I've usually cut mine with, uh, Coke and uh coca-cola let me just put that down or or diet coke and a little bit of rum or you know the one night i was doing the peanut butter whiskey a few weeks ago that was like the most i've cut loose on the show i'm not an alcoholic i i do appreciate you guys caring about me enough to ask these questions and show concern but you don't have to worry i'm i'm fine and uh, as any of you that have met me out in person at these live events where there's a lot of drinking very rarely will you see me with a drink in my hand uh, or, or imbibing because I, I want to be aware of what's going on and I'm running a radio show. So that's my uh, important part, but thank you for caring. Um, you know, maybe just don't come at me like a bull in a China shop, uh, about these thoughts. If you have something you want to share with me, I'm always open to, to constructive criticism. I'm just not good with people screaming at me. Uh, let's see. I see Colette seems to be having trouble connecting here. Colette. Well, can we pull Bill Bigsby back up in a minute? Colette, welcome to the show. Hiya. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Doing well. Where are you calling in from, Colette? Uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Excellent. UK. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. figured that out. That, that accent did not sound like Wisconsin. <laughs> no. I'm in work at the moment. Oh. Okay. Well, thank you for taking me on your work day with you. What, uh, what did you want to ask or, or share with us? I just wanted to know whether you uh, would ever come to the UK and do an investigation with the team I'm involved in. <laughs> you know, I've been out to the UK. I've been to Paris and, and uh, Germany and Prague and Scotland and Ireland and England twice. And I, I love going out and, and investigating at all those places out there. I usually do it with our listeners. We'll do like a, a trip a year or two. Um, yeah. So just, your best bet is just keep an eye on it. And uh, if we come on out oh, to yeah. England. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been involved with this team for about five years. And uh, we, we do like what you do investigate professionally right. you know what i mean awesome. we do what's your we favorite do. place what's your favorite place in liverpool to investigate uh st george's hall in liverpool there's also okay. um uh, there's a few pubs around there as well that are very haunted uh nottingham is good uh, right. robin hood experience and uh, yeah. the village but it's now shut now it's closed down but that I saw an apparition and it was doing everything on command. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Awesome. Absolutely brilliant. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That is very cool. I've been I've been all around England. I would love to get out. I've not been to Liverpool, but I would love to get out there. I'm trying to now, put where together I'm a Beatles working, tour. Where I'm working now in Burton Wood, mm -hmm. which was the air base for the Air Force people from America in World War II. Mm. And this site is built on it now. 
and I've got loads of EVPs just walking around with my phone in my pocket. So clear. Unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. Do you think that you're hearing dead people or are you, are you hearing through pockets of time? Might be some residual, yeah. I keep thinking okay. about the tone state theory and all that sort of thing. Sure. Well, I think these spirits are talking between themselves and I'm just in the middle. Yep. Very cool. You know I mean? Well, Colette, thank you for taking me on your journey at work and spending some time with us, and thank you for calling in and being a part of the show tonight. Oh, no problem, no problem. And I love the host of files, by the way. I wish you'd do another thank series. You. <laughs> I wish we could too. That was a real honor to be a part of. Thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight. All right. Uh, Bill Bigsby says, I started listening to Darkness Radio back in 2010 and I've loved seeing you grow. What is the creepiest paranormal or supernatural account you have heard? Mm, boy, the creepiest one I've ever heard. That's tough. Because so many weird ones. Um, you know, the, the Smurl haunting is really a freaky story and that there are so many people in, involved, including the police. Um, the day the devil called, I believe was another book and an author that I had on. Uh, and that was a really wild, creepy, freaky story. And I remember people like were really impacted and affected by that episode. It unnerved the hell out of them. So that would be another one of them. I would say that would go down, uh, as, as one that impacted me. Um, the ghost writer story out of California, the, the people that were taking the Polaroids and writing would appear on the Polaroids and they had scientists and TV people and everybody show up. They're trying to debunk it and they could not, and they were getting the same results. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it's freaky because it shows you how much we really don't know and what things and us and the, the outside world are truly capable of. So that would be it. Uh, spaced out radio. Great show as always, David. Hey, thank you. That is a, a buddy of mine, uh, David Scott. Make sure you check out Spaced Out Radio with David Scott. He's great. I was just on his series last week, and he helped me get set up today with the the uh, new project with the the uh, call outs and and the super chats and super stickers. So I appreciate that, um, and I appreciate all of you for doing the things that you do. And I got to tell you, I've been hearing from the families that we helped out for the holidays and you should all be very proud. I know that a lot of you couldn't join in because you were taking care of your own friends and family and, and had things going on. But I know many of you threw up prayers and passed the messages along and we got a lot of cool gifts and items that went out to those families in need. And a lot of them got their bills paid and got things taken care of that they had lost all hope for. So thank you for having such a big heart and for caring so much because uh, that's a big part of why I love to do what I do because we have an audience like you. Um, and I know that sounds campy and corny, but I mean it truly from the bottom of my heart. You guys have helped make me uh, live the life I've always wanted to live and you've come along with me for the ride. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to wrap up here tonight and uh, I will be back on Friday with the paranormal news. Uh, we'll be ringing in the new year that way together. Uh, I know it's not New Year's Eve, but we're going to see 2022 out together. And then next Monday starts season two of the best in paranormal podcasting. And I hope that you'll continue to join me on this journey. And I thank you from the very bottom of my heart for being here and always accepting of who I am. I'll talk to you again real soon. I'm Dave Schrader, and you're tuned in to the Paranormal 60. <laughs>